0: Hi, everybody. My name is Jared Milrad. I'm the founder of Movie Karma, and we're the nonprofit organization that created our podcast here called Rewriting Hollywood, um, which I know as many of you are aware, uh, focuses on inclusion, equity, representation, as well as social impact through the power of storytelling. Uh, We've been doing this work to really spotlight folks around the world who are making a difference to the power of story. Uh, but also talk about issues of, of how we make Hollywood more inclusive, equitable, and representative. And today, really excited to have uh, another special guest uh, for a film that's, that's really powerful, relevant, timely. And, and I think you'll you'll enjoy the conversation. The filmmaker's name is Mitch Kalisa. He's joining us from London today. And the film is uh, called Play It Safe, uh, which addresses ingrained prejudice in the classroom. It's been selected for BFI. Uh, it received an online premiere uh, back in October. Uh, and it's a, it's a really powerful piece that I'm excited to talk to Mitch about today. Um, so Mitch, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to have you on.
1: Thanks, Jared. Nice. Great to be here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive in. Um, I saw originally, Mitch, you're, you hail from Rwanda. Um, you came to the UK as a child via Uganda. And you first got into film and theater through acting um, and then kind of got into writing and directing. So I was curious if you could talk us through a little bit of that journey, Mitch, just a little bit of your background. And how did you how did you come to, to, to filmmaking?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. No, as you said, there I was born in Rwanda. grew up in Uganda and moved to the UK when I was around 11. Um, and yeah, when I came to the UK, I, I guess very quickly, I, I was always into films. I was I, I was a big, yeah, just like film buff, I guess, uh, from childhood. So, but I really, at that stage, I, really, I was really into like action movies, Sylvester Stallone, Chuck Norris, <laughs> uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that was the stuff that I grew up on, um, And then, yeah, as I, when I came to the UK, kind of broadened my horizons, I guess, with what I was consuming. And and I thought I really wanted to act. So from teenage hood, um, I was going to like drama classes on the weekends and after school. And I pursued that for most of my teens, thinking that was something I wanted to do, but, but as I got older, I kind of realized that it, was, it wasn't so much the acting that I loved, it was the storytelling. It was the, yeah, coming up with ideas, coming up with scripts and, and then, yeah. So uh, once I kind of discovered that and I got into writing and directing, I did um, uh, a filmmaking course at university. Um, so it was a kind of open course where you could do all kinds of filmmaking when I focused on like more experimental filmmaking as well as um, directing talent. Um, and then shortly after uni, me and a friend uh, set up a small production company making branded content. So working in commercial advertising world. Um, but always harbored the desire and the kind of passion to make stories, to, to, to do storytelling. and. Um, And then yeah, so I saved up some money, um, managed to meet uh, amazing people at Compulsory who believed in the story and together we decided to to make this project. So yeah, I'd made some other bits and bobs before with friends and stuff, um, but Play It Safe was like my first real kind of Mm. um, written and
0: directed
1: by, so yeah. Uh, I don't know whether that's a bridge that feels quite long, but yeah, that, that's the story yeah. that's, up to now.
0: No, that's fascinating. I, and I want to talk about uh, the film, obviously quite a bit. It's a, it's a really powerful piece, but uh, on that point of kind of your, your upbringing and your journey, were you, did you have, you know, were your parents supportive, family members supportive as you started transitioning into filmmaking or acting? Like, did you have mentors? What was that support system like for you? <laughs>
1: It's a good question, because, yeah, short answer is no. <laughs> uh,
0: initially,
1: I think, yeah, because, I don't know, coming from my background, uh, like, traditionally, uh, I think a lot of African backgrounds, I don't think performing arts is, like, uh, high on priorities of what your parents want you to do. So, um, so yeah, I think I, I always had pushback and... and And I think the crucial point came towards the university choice and course um, because I was doing well at school but I I definitely knew I didn't want to go down an academia route and I wanted to pursue something creative and the compromise was this um, media arts course at uh, Royal Holloway University of London because um, it's a it's a a highly like a highly thought of university, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I knew like the family would be happy and proud in that respect, right. but I knew I could pursue something there that was more creative and and yeah now um, but to be honest, as soon as things started to take off professionally and um and yeah that's I, I've worked in a Branded like advertising as soon as i left university so once i think my family realized it was yeah i wasn't going to change my mind there wasn't a phase (laughs) i think everyone got fully behind me and um, and yeah been super supportive and um yeah gone out of their way to to help me make a living and, and to help me yeah, like get something like play it safe made. So, yeah, uh, eventually it was a lot of support, but initially there was pushback,
0: some skepticism. Yeah, I, I could imagine. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, where, where in Uganda did you spend your child I was just spent some time there and in Tebe and yeah. other parts of the country. And, oh, and, okay. Yeah, and did that? Did that? time like do you remember that time of your child like did
1: that yeah back to you yeah no um i've got lots of fun memories of kampala i used to live in kampala for okay. yeah. uh, i can't remember how many years over six years i guess um but yeah so i i did uh i've still got friends there basically like kids that they're not kids anymore but yeah people i grew up with and um and yeah so it's a, a very i've got a lot of fun memories um uh, of living in Kampala and uh, and yeah we if it if it wasn't for the COVID uh, restrictions I probably would have been there last year Would try and travel yeah. there for, you know,
0: yeah I found that I found that it's you know striking being there that there's a lot of there's a lot of pride and excitement I feel like about the future and there's there's also just a lot of young people that you know tends to mm-hmm. skew younger as a country and so it's was, it was really fascinating to see what their next chapter is. And I and I just wondered if that impacted you, um, you know, being under this kind of quasi-authoritarian regime for, you know, 30, 35 years of Mussolini, like if, if that, you know, if if that upbringing impacted your your lens and storytelling or how you think about the world.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um yeah, I I I guess I never actually contextualized it like that. Um um And yeah, to be honest, I guess I was quite sheltered from the politics and the kind of um, mm-hmm. the more complicated aspects of right. the Ugandan identity and everything but but yeah uh, uh, kind of as a as a man now as an older man um looking I'm definitely looking then more than I used to uh, and looking to try and connect these different aspects of my personhood. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know whether, how much it informed my um, my filmmaking up to this point, but I feel like it's gonna have a big factor in in where I go from now.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it might, it's fascinating. Um, I was curious. You mentioned you you uh, you're the managing director, and you, you co-founded uh, Jamflix, as I understand, which is a film production company. Yeah, uh, yeah. You've done a lot of branding content, and you, you're kind of moving into the more narrative space now. Uh, talk about some of the the differences, if any, you see as you approach those different types of projects, and like what do you, what are the types of projects broadly that you you get excited by?
1: Okay, yeah, so. Yeah, Jam is yeah, it's been my kind of livelihood, um, and and yeah, the the work that that I do there is yeah, client work. It's um, brands who have a, a message they want to put out there, and and you're kind of coming in as a as a, a creative support system, I guess, to to help them figure out how they can say what they want to say, and obviously to direct talent and pull together the production all that aspect of it so i guess it's very um it's very nuts and bolts filmmaking right Right. there's there's you're just kind of managing people and time and equipment you know and just you're just making those pieces align and and obviously keeping your clients happy so yeah the biggest difference is that that root cause of, of like where you're coming from i guess with with the narrative work it's coming from yourself from whatever deep down desire you've got to tell this story so obviously it's it's tougher because normally you don't have the money to make your story so you're always (laughs) just like pulling favors and um, and yeah using your savings and everything else like the hustle's real, but yeah, but yeah, it's super rewarding. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, even if the film hadn't gone anywhere, being able to to tell this story and and tell it with the people that I told it with, um, yeah, that that in itself would have been a huge reward for for that time. So yeah, I but but I still would encourage. Um, because I think there's like two trains of thoughts, at least between my friendship groups, where some people feel like, oh, it's completely time wasted if you want to make um, narrative work to do branded content or advertising. Um, It's the same thing. But yeah, um, I feel like for me, it's been quite instrumental in, in getting me to where I got to, because it's still, you're still doing the same thing basically you're still telling stories you're still working with the same tools that you would be in a narrative context but it's just being expressed in this different way so yeah for me um yeah although it's like mostly um yeah it's it's to make money and to to have an income and everything at the same time I feel like every, every shoot that I've done has almost been practice, you know? And it, it's, it's added to my kind of filmmaking mentality. Um, and, hmm. and it's also introduced me to all the collaborators that I've worked with. Yeah? And, and that's a big, that ability to build a community I think definitely was supported by working in the advertising world
0: yeah that community is everything i think it's i think it's under <laughs> undervalued sometimes by yeah. people who are you know haven't experienced the isolation so you think about lockdown and you know yeah. um, yeah. artists just being film is so collaborative right so to not have yeah and so did you did you lean on that community like to think about this project for example did did that you know those that network and that experience sounds like was really helpful for you
1: yeah absolutely i i th- like literally the film came together because of um yeah firstly uh connecting with Jamie Aykroyd who was the DOP and me and him had connected on um a music video that I did and and he was we were going to make another music video together um and it didn't happen for whatever reason but yeah we started talking we just kind of we became friends basically and we and and I showed him the script and he loved it and so we swapped notes on, on that for like months, probably eight months before we even shot it. And then, um, and I also connected to Chris um, at Compulsory um, who were the production company who, um, who came on board and, and, and really brought this project to life. Um, but yeah, again, we connected through the kind of music video advertising side of things. Um, but again, I was like, uh, there's this project I'm, I'm really passionate about. I've, I've been trying to make it for a long time. I've raised a bit of money and he was like, dude, I love this. Um, we'll give you, uh, however much else you need to make it happen. And yeah, yeah, that's how it got made. So, so yeah, the whole, yeah. Um, obviously that, um, that we, we did castings and stuff for the, for the, on screen talent but a lot of the behind the camera talent I think were pulled together through these
0: communities. Yeah wow yeah that that that's really cool and also just a good example of how to kind of build build your your community around yourself. Uh, I want to talk a little bit uh, Mitch about the film of course uh, it's it's your debut short as you mentioned and it's Influence, I understand by your own personal experience in drama school education and how, you know, folks who identify, uh, you know, especially white folks who present who identify as liberal and, you know, are looking to create quote unquote safe spaces kind can, of can bring with them just as much prejudice and yeah. racism and ingrained uh, stereotypes yeah. as anyone else, if not more. Um, so I wonder, like, tell us a little bit for those who haven't seen the film and I really hope folks will see it. Um, you know, how did this come together? Story-wise, what, what were you, what were you looking to do and why was it so important for you, do you think, to tell us particular story?
1: So, yeah, um, the story came from memories that I had of being at, um, yeah, going to these drama classes when I was younger. Um, and I, yeah, I, I know I wasn't like a full time student. Now. I was going on the weekends, but I still felt this. Um, this random, uh, yeah, this weird tension, I guess, um, and this kind of discomfort, which felt strange because, yeah, it's kind of outwardly a really welcoming community and and quite, uh, yeah, uh, open and meant to be diverse, but I still felt this kind of, yeah, uh, unwelcome experience anyway so and especially during the animal study classes I felt in that in those classes there was a, a, a very specific dynamic to me mm. performing as an animal in front of like pretty much an all-white class and and yeah I it always stayed in my memory basically and I I remember having this thought whilst in those classes was what would I do if my teacher asked me to to play an ape, or what would I do if my colleagues, my classmates kind of conspired against me, um, and made me do something demeaning, and so yeah, it was like this kind of morbid uh, idea that I had, and it always stayed with me, Um, and then yeah, just kind of growing up and working in in the advertising industry, another kind of uh, liberal "Quote unquote safe space industry, but still feeling these kind of moments of, uh, yeah, like racism and and implicit bias and and yeah, it always just kind of struck me how how little of this is represented in in cinema or on TV, whatever. Like it, it just didn't really get cold out that much, so." The that that was the kind of genesis of the story for me was recalling those memories and feeling like oh I still I'm still feeling the same way now as an adult in this in this kind of corporate safe space as I did in this uh, little drama club after school mm-hmm. um, and then yeah so that that's what inspired me to to come up with this narrative and and, and yeah and I wanted to kind of focus the story around the, this character who um, decides to show up for themselves. I think in those moments you're, yeah, you're, it's this dilemma whether you, you, um, you call out this racism or you play it safe and, and you just, uh, you, you, yeah, you shut up basically and, and, and try and assimilate and, and, and be nice. Uh, and don't f- make other people feel uncomfortable um, when you're, yeah, when you're being degraded. But yeah, so I wa- I wanted to create something that was empowering as well as calling it out, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. I think it, I think it accomplishes both both things in really powerful ways. And as you say in the film, we see Jonathan, I mean character, you know, essentially coaxed into playing this racial typecast. Uh, role in a in a, as of an ape, and 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 just the the ways in which the the I thought it's so ingenious the way you shot you know you shot that those moments of him doing this because it it we saw that kind of this almost like white terror and and sort of these all those all those things you described the you know the mm. ingrained prejudice and racism and and sort of this the stereotypes that people have, and also the fear that that is is, mm. is built up. Um, I felt from the from the white from the white folks in the in the in the east. Yeah. So I wonder, like, how did you think about like showing those moments in the film stylistically, and what were you what were you aiming to get across? Because um, I thought there's just so many ways you could have shot those moments, and it was really mm. you know, what you chose.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So initially, I think, yeah, the what what's in the um, in the film is is very close to how I scripted it basically. It was just yeah, one of those kind of things I didn't look back on until later and realized, oh, okay, that yeah, this was like literally what I imagined, which was a cool experience. But the first kind of half of the film was just trying to to give this kind of subjective experience of Jonathan and how he was feeling in those situations because he doesn't express himself much a lot of a lot of what's going on for him is under the surface and and it's just like micro expressions on his face and and body language and yeah so i i wanted to get our audiences kind of very caught up in what he's feeling but at the same time using the camera language in a way that that um that basically pinned him against the wall, I think that that's the kind of terminology me and Jamie were talking about um just really pushing him to an edge essentially and 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 yeah, like the zooms and stuff and yeah, so that was the 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 language we were talking about and 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 obviously our gaze is locked on him throughout that first half of the film, which again yeah I, I was hoping to yeah, say something about the way these kinds of stories are normally told. Um, so yeah, by the end, by that final sequence, when he leaves our, our gaze and he's actually, he's instead of being pinned to the wall, he's kind of, he's in control now. He's taken power and, and it's like the, the camera, can't lock him down anymore It can't pin him and it's just like searching for him so I felt like yeah it, using the camera language in that way allowed us to allow Jonathan uh, the character to yeah really kind of not only did he transform because now he's acting as this ape but it it's it, it's so good but we we're only seeing slithers of it and it, it kind of your imagination makes up the rest and it, and, and it becomes an even, um, and then, to be honest, he smashed it on the date. Um, sadly, <laughs> I'm a bit sad we didn't even capture it, but yeah. But yeah, uh, your imagination does a lot to, to, to show you how fucking awesome he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, so in, but at the same time with him being on the peripheries and actually flipping the script basically, mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I was hoping to do as well with the gaze of the camera so we don't see him but we see his classmates and the teacher and I, I wanted to to just point out that like Jonathan is is in this position which is yeah kind of this negative experience but we need to remember why he's in this position, you know, it, it, we need to remember the system at play that that's cornered him here. And instead of just focusing on his victimization, let's, let's look at the people behind that and, and the role they've played. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was the, the kind of thought process with the, with the camera work.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating so many levels, right? Because it's like the, the white people have to, ascend, in some ways, like you said, account for what they've done, but mm-hmm. there's also that that reclaiming of power. Mm-hmm. Do, were you. I imagine you were thinking this, but I'm curious if you thought a lot about the history of this connection, because obviously, you know, black people and Africans, you know, being called ape, mm-hmm. monkey, all these horrific, you know, all, all these sort of de- demeaning terms of the years, when of course there's also like the great irony of, these African cultures, like in Uganda, like protecting these other species who, mm. like British colonizers, have destroyed in many ways, right? And, and I was just in these communities, and so mm. as I was watching, I was thinking about sort of that that irony, that the yeah. way in which like sort of white folks have demeaned black folks over the over the mm. decades and centuries, and yet black communities and African communities have, have often like revered these animals that they're 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 yeah. It's sort of was, there's so many layers there. Were you were you thinking about that and impacting?
1: Yeah, it? yeah, no, absolutely. Because obviously uh, being from Rwanda as well, and like the the gorillas are like the kind of uh, the national animal, I guess. Exactly, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're revered and they are protected, and and it, yeah, there's uh, millions of tourists coming there every year to to see these guys in the wild. Yeah. Um, sure. So yeah, it, and yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's really uh, it's it's very loaded, uh, like very kind of complex um, to to break that down. But yeah, it's really interesting that um that yeah, and as I said, like it, it's funny because there's a lot of tourism based off um, right. uh, yeah, like white people traveling to 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 see these animals in the wild, and and something else that I had in mind was like the. The, the human zoos, which like, um, I think in the, I forgot what time period it was, uh, 1900s like, at some point where in like, I guess in America and some parts of Europe where um, you'd go to a zoo to see animals and you'd see like black people in in, in, in like, um, yeah, yeah, and, and, and so, yeah, I guess I was definitely connecting to all uh, wanting to connect to all those things but probably without having an overall point about uh, about why but yeah those were definitely coming up in in the research
0: for sure mm, yeah because i think it's there's just so many layers there as you said you know i know yeah. you have these countries you know i met a lot of the ugandan wildlife authority people for example who are these incredibly dedicated uh, mostly men and women uh uh you know who spend days and days with these these mountain girls, protecting them mm. and you have these entire communities built on that tourism uh so so it's just it's just fascinating you brought up a lot of a lot of the contradictions uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: <you> know, <laughs> and, yeah no, it, and it, it's it's like absurd and darkly funny but yeah it, it yeah it's all there How do you
0: see, you know, there's been a lot of talk, at least certainly in the U.S., I'm sure in the U.K., about uh, obviously racism, -racism, anti-racism, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter in the last year, year and a half. Uh, I think especially finally, maybe finally among white communities that are finally confronting the realities. But like, how do you see this piece in that context? Because I think you're also bringing up this sort of silent, you know, kind of ingrained... Mm -hmm racism right that right. is like you said often pervasive in liberal spaces and right. and 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 in communities and places where like drama schools where if yeah. you ask you know the white people in charge and say no we're not racist right yeah, like yeah. how do you yeah. how do, yeah. what do you think about the timing of this piece and then the impact of it yeah.
1: well it's so interesting because yeah like yeah I, it, yeah when I was thinking about this project however many years ago that yeah, it was so far from this uh, recent BLM movement. And, and even when we shot it, it was just before um, George Floyd. And, and I was actually editing it around that time. And it was like shocking um, to see, yeah, saddening and shocking. And, but at the same time, super familiar, which was the, the real sadness about it. Um, and, and yeah, and, and as I was editing it, um, I remembered people who knew that I was making this story sending me articles about um, uh, about lots of drama schools. Basically, in the UK, that was one of the commute, the, the kind of sectors that was um, that received a lot of backlash for their historic racism and and this kind of systematic racism that they had um, at play. So. It was quite, um, I don't know, almost overwhelming a little bit because I realised how urgent this story had become and how topical it was, whereas before it felt like it was just like on the peripheries of a conscience movement that was happening anyway, but like now it was like, oh shit, like you better get this right, you know, that that was the the feeling that I was having, to be honest. and. Um, and yeah, at the same time, it, I, I was like encouraged in, in in maybe that's the wrong word, but I was kind of, it pushed me forward to, to really take the time to do this project properly. And, I, and I'm so happy that um, it's been able to add to this conversation that, that's been started and hopefully start pushing it into yeah, help push it into these progressive
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: situations that's going on because I think uh, as well as, yeah, kind of people feeling seen by the film, like, hey, this is my experience and I'm so glad that you were able to to share it and, 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 and yeah, like, thank you for this. I think there's been um, people on the other side who have said, oh shit, like I didn't realize I was doing this, you know, but I see myself in it in in this more negative way. Um, but again, thank you, because now I will do different. And I think, yeah, those reactions have been super, like, yeah, heartwarming. And, um, and yeah, you always hope that your filmmaking can do some good in the world. <laughs> you know, like it always feels like airy fairy to even think about that. But like for people to to come to a screening or send an email and, and be like, hey, just so you know, like this is what this film's done for me and, and I and I think I'm gonna do this in response. Like that that has been really special and I and I hope, yeah, I hope that I I can replicate that in some shape or form in the future mm-hmm. in, in other work
0: yeah i mean that's really powerful i was going to ask you what the response has been because it like, it's really powerful that folks have been and uh, un- you know white black everything in between yeah away. everything
1: that,
0: yeah. yeah um like is there something that people have said as white people watching this maybe <laughs> have said like oh crap like i i, need it, I I need to do something differently. Like I need to maybe check in with, if there's only like one person of color in the space or, you know, the roles that I might have that person take on in a drama yeah. setting. Like what if what have those people said to you and or are you, you know, is there something that you feel like folks should, white people especially should yeah. take home from this piece and, and maybe think about?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, yeah. Pretty much what you what you were talking about in terms of the responses that, that have come in, like yeah, some of the one of the really powerful ones was um uh a guy who was like essentially I see a lot of myself in Henry and Christian, who are the two guys in in the in the short that are trying to get um Jonathan to the to do this role. Where essentially which is yeah, something we were talking a lot about in the in the directing of it, but like, these guys aren't trying to be mean. These guys are trying to be Jonathan's friend. They're like, in in their own strange way, they're they're trying to connect with him. And these are just their points of reference, sadly, for connecting with Jonathan. So I I feel like that aspect of it, of like, that, so yeah, essentially, um, yeah, I feel like in in that uh, piece of feedback that I got, I think this guy was just like, "Yo, I, I think I just need to to really check in on like not only myself and what what my ideas of blackness are, like why why I'm kind of mm-hmm. tempted to to go down this road of, yeah, like the the, the gigs that this guy was getting invited to, Jonathan, mm-hmm. um, the, the kind of." um movie references he was getting quoted um but also um i i need to be because i guess they're in this place where like they a lot i thought it was a lot of kind of britishness about it because it's this um this tiptoeing around the edges right it's this like uh yeah so be even I think sometimes in those circumstances, it could be better to be very upfront <laughs> and, and and like, um, I mean, yeah, not about the role they wanted them to play, but some of the other cultural references they bring up, there is a way of bringing that stuff up, which allows that person a way to be like, hey, like, that's not cool, you know, or like, actually, that's not for me, maybe for the other people you've talked to, but that's not who I am and, and it'd be, cool if you didn't kind of put me in this box right so but it's done in this really um polite and tiptoeing fashion that's like (laughs) it's hard to get to grips with you know it's hard to like actually come up with them uh with a yeah to to combat so yeah i guess for for white people for who are watching this film i think i'm hoping that they can just have like experience some empathy put yourself in Jonathan's shoes in this situation of course these characters don't necessarily mean him harm but that's what makes it so difficult for him in that situation Like, how can he say hey you're being racist to me when you're like doing all this kind of um uh yeah like (laughs) jujitsu <laughs> with with kindness and like soft words and it's hard to like for him to really grapple with that so yeah empathy is what you hope for and and, mm-hmm. and just like a and hopefully an open hopefully it leaves an open platform where white people can be like hey where is the line here like where can we talk about these kind of more difficult things because yeah i think sometimes when when we try to avoid them completely we create worse situations yeah anyway yeah i don't even know whether i've answered your question there but no i think, so. I think
0: you certainly have i just think it's such a great conversation a, a con- conversation piece and hopefully an action oriented piece where people mm. can build empathy who are who are not in someone else's shoes who is more, mm. you know, is like uh, essentially on their own and because of either the way yeah. they look or their sexual orientation whatever it is i think you've you've given us a great lens into the experience of being different and, mm. and being, like being the only one right in the yeah
1: world. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> I wish I'd said it. That <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: no, it's your, it's your piece. I, I just, I'm just taking what I, what I got from it. Uh, but no, the last question before we do quick wrap up questions, uh, Mitch was, was um, just more broadly on this, this issue of equity inclusion and representation in the industry. Cause honestly you've, you've, I think started your, your, your short filmmaking career and hopefully long career. And in this vein of, you know, it's really important not only that we see people who are different from us on screen and who are mar- marginalized, but also the ways in which we see them mm. is and how they're portrayed is so important, mm. which I think is a great takeaway from your your film. So how do you think about more broadly the changes you'd like to see, you know, as a filmmaker of color, as someone who maybe want, yeah. uh, perhaps wants to tell stories that are, are moving us towards that more inclusive, equitable path?
1: Yeah. Um, I d- Exactly what you were saying, I think I think we've kind of um, we're moving towards a really um, more progressive um, industry with with regards to representation but I, but I feel like yeah it, it it's the I think we should be concerned about the quality of the representation and the kind of the stories we're telling with this representation. I feel like uh, there's been a lot of focus on, uh, on victimization, there's been a lot of focus on kind of historic um, um, issues of, of, of race and representation and inclusivity. But I feel like now, the cinema gives us a, a, an opportunity to, to look forward and to kind of create what we want to see. So instead of like, uh, to keep repeating some of um, the kind of more accepted, more archetypal moments of representation, I feel like, yeah, we should be looking to not turn them on their head or whatever. I think there's space for that, but there's space for something new now. Um, something me and Jonathan talked a lot about in the process of making this was his character which was this kind of softly spoken kind of shy um awkward um Mm. yeah just like un, un unsure of himself black young man and it's like this kind and it's strange how little you see that kind of representation on screen. Like when you think about a black man in on screen, we've got archetypes that jump in our head like very quickly and all of them are, uh, are, yeah, just, I don't, as I said, I feel that there is space for those, but there's, but we should be looking to create new representations as well. Um, and yeah, just, keep the convo going, keep the conversation going and instead of stopping where we've got to, which is just pure representation. As long as it's a black yeah. person, as long as it's a yeah. Yeah. person, as long as it's do you know what I mean? I yeah. feel like we can go further now.
0: Yeah, I think there is a rush by Hollywood to certainly kind of grab the nearest person, you know, the nearest person of color, <laughs> the nearest marginalized person. And they'd be like yeah, we did it. Yeah.
1: We did our job, yeah. No, I, yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what's happening sometimes, and but yeah, um, uh, and yeah, I I feel we can go to more interesting places, um, w- once we actually explore those representations mm-hmm. past just their representation. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you've you've really done that in a beautiful way. I had a quick rapid fire last question for you, which is yeah. um, you know, think about maybe 10 years from now in your career as a filmmaker. What what do you want to be doing? Like, is there a certain kind of project you want to be making, a certain you know, genre you want to be in?
1: Yeah. Um I yeah, like even before he made Parasite, uh Boon Jun Ho is like, yeah, I feel what he's managed to do with like genre that explores kind of really interesting themes around, yeah, um, society and, uh, uh, and, and just explores lots of complex themes, but in this super entertaining package. Um, is something I've always been drawn to. So like, yeah, uh, Memories of Murder, The Host um, and now Parasite. Like uh, to me, he's he is the master for sure. And like and like if Mm -hmm. I could uh, replicate something close to what he's done, I'd I'd be
0: super happy. Yeah, no, I could I could totally see you going there. I mean, you're already on doing some Get Out vibes. And and
1: yeah, yeah. And Jordan Peele as well. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Jordan Peele's doing recently as well like it's mm. so yeah like those are the, the the filmmakers and the films that i watch and i'm like mm. motivated and i'm like yeah That i feel like um some kind of cinema that i am really into
0: um
1: mm. is out there and, and it just motivates me to to make to make some of my own
0: yeah well, that's awesome i can't to really see what you do next uh mitch so again uh Yes, there's Mitch Kalee. So The film is Play It Safe. It's a really powerful short and I hope it continues on its journey on uh, the festival circuit. Congratulations, all the success with it, Mitch, and, you know, really excited. Thank you so
1: much. No, thank you a lot. Thanks for your time as well. Cheers. Awesome.